to District Divided, a DC sports podcast, more specifically a Commander's podcast. I am Amit, that is KDOT. Today's episode, we are centered around the offensive coordinator search that continues for the Washington Commanders. Most recently, Ron Rivera spoke to Anthony Lynn, who is the San Francisco 49ers assistant head coach, running backs coach, etc. So we'll dive into that a little bit and the prospect of him becoming offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is also still in line to interview for this position. Um, and is this all for not because Ken Zampese is eventually going to become offensive coordinator. We're going to get into that. Um, we'll recap the championship games a little bit. I went a fantastic 0-2 and, and KDOT went 1-1. One and one, But DJ Turner, all hail DJ, 2-0. He is stellar with his picks so far. Uh, we'll jump into that and then we get into the common mailbag, which once again, shout out DJ. And uh, after the pod, as we always do, KDOT, how are you doing today? Doing well, although that uh, the new podcast that I mentioned last week, uh, apparently because of some of the clips that I've put out, people think I'm a hardcore right wing anti-vaxxer. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, looking to set the record straight, you know, later on in an episode. So, hey, you know, you're getting the publicity you want, and I think you're doing it right, to be honest, because yeah. as you slowly center, you're just going to be more and more lovable. I think I think you got a stellar plan here, KDOT. And what was the name of that podcast one more time? The Extraordinary Nobodies. There you go. Extraordinary Nobodies. I did watch part of the first one. I did watch the whole thing, but I watched part of it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And you guys should too. Um, Without further ado, though, let's talk about this offensive coordinator search. So Ron Rivera goes golfing. Everyone gets pissed off because we don't have an offensive coordinator and thinks that he can't live life unless we have one. I'm on the record as saying I don't think Ron Rivera is the right coach for this team at this point. But that reaction is absolutely ridiculous. Let the man live his life. They're going to find an offensive coordinator, I promise you. Uh, but he does end up talking to Anthony Lynn, who is a very well-respected coach in the NFL. Okay, He's been a head coach. He's been an offensive coordinator. He's been to multiple places. Um, we talked to him. He is a run-first guy, historically. So when you think about Martin Mayhew, our general manager's comments, as well as Ron Rivera's comments, lines up he's experienced so if ron rivera is going from the perspective of hey this is my last chance to impress ownership to have somebody that's respected at the offensive coordinator position and have an experienced staff lynn makes sense kdot anthony lynn as offensive coordinator let's say that hire occurred how would you feel about it whatever (laughs) like the thing is that anthony lynn while he is a name he does have head coaching experience. He does have the offense coordinator experience. He's been a running backs coach for years. I'm like scrolling through his resume here and I'm like, okay. Like there's not, there's mm-hmm. nothing that like blows me away. There's nothing that uh, completely hamstrings me in thinking, oh no, he's terrible. I mean, the, the fact is that he was what assistant head coach in San Francisco. We knew what the running game has been like uh, this last season. Pretty damn good, even with everything they've had to do as far as the quarterback position and them even moving the ball, moving down vertically. Um, we know Ron Rivera wants to have a run first, well, run first philosophy. You know, you got to kind of take that with a grain of salt because he's not. I think he's being a little hyperbolic. But the 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 idea is, it does matter that whoever gets hired as the offensive coordinator is on the same page as Ron. It yes. matters a ton. Um, I just think right now it feels as though they're they're interviewing everybody, which I give them credit for. I just I don't I am unaware of how seriously they're taking these interviews because I, I I'm not sure because it 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 almost feels over the top at this point. But um they're they're doing their due diligence and um mm-hmm. at least I'm hopeful that they are. And I'd love to have a guy with the leadership abilities that Anthony Lynn does have and um having him in there on the offense running things maybe that'll be a lightning rod because it seemed like Scott Turner was a little too mild mannered for my liking um mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean you got to be a rah 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 guy but you got to be a guy that kind of inspires people and i think lynn can do that to a certain degree at least better than we've had in certain aspects here 
Yeah. And so the intriguing thing about Anthony Lynn, and, and just quickly to your point, due diligence, this is all this franchise does. I mean, we talked about the quarterback position last season. Now it's off. It's a coordinator position this season. Yep. Feels like it's going to end up being an internal solution. Yep. Uh, shout out Ken Zampi. So I, uh, my money's still there. But uh, on the subject of Anthony Lynn, it's more recently, it's the running backs he's worked with, right? And he is sort of, you know, a running back guy. Yep. Pretty cool. I mean, in LA, he had Austin Eckler. In Detroit, DeAndre Swift. Mm -hmm. And this past season, Christian McCaffrey. So he's worked with some really, really good running backs. Um, It's not to say like he hasn't developed McCaffrey, for example, but Eckler, you could certainly make the case, right? Uh, DeAndre Swift, you know, solid running back, had a good year the season prior. And then also uh, this season, they used him a little less due to him being more of an injury prone guy. But it is intriguing to think. What could he do with Brian Robinson? What could he do with Antonio Gibson and any other running back we choose to bring in? Uh, but I'm on same page as you, KDOT. I think it's a lot of due diligence. I think it's a lot of, see, we're trying. We are talking to everybody. Ultimately, when you think about Sam Howell, if he's going to be the guy, let's keep it consistent. Ken Zampese makes a lot of sense. Unless he is going to be this, have this completely ridiculous and different system which I don't anticipate. Um, Zampi seems like the guy to me. Do you still feel like Zampi's is ultimately going to be the guy? Yeah, just because it it does feel like, um, and that's the thing is like, I don't necessarily think Ken is the wrong choice. Right. Um, it's just not exciting, right? Like, but because, that's, and that's every yeah. off season with us, right? It's like the, they're, they're always, at least when you're looking at the results, you start feeling this apathy towards, mm-hmm. all right, it's just not going to, it'll be something, it'll, it's not going to blow your socks off. It's just another move in maybe the right direction. Um, but it, when it when it all gets said and done, there's just a feeling of like incompleteness. There's right. just like there's no excitement level but, there. But if I could, like you know, I think you know, we do a Nothing's podcast. Bad. I ideally you want things to be exciting and good. Uh, right. But a lot of times I think we have foregone good for exciting. Right. And if you look at the coaches and we've named them many times on this podcast that have been in this building, that could be the Zampese in the Zampese role. Right. right. Like you talk about LaFleur, you talk about uh, O'Connell, you talk about McDaniel. I mean, there are all these guys that were in the building that you would kill to have your offensive coordinator right now to be yep. your offensive coordinator right now. So if Zampese gets hired, I don't necessarily mind it. Again, it's continuity. Let's see what the guy can do. We've had tremendous offensive. I didn't mention Shanahan because he was offensive coordinator over here. Um, And I'm sure I missed like six other names. McVeigh, like everybody also in OC. So if Zampese does end up getting hired, yeah, maybe it's not exciting, but maybe it's really good. So just want to keep that in mind. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, that's the... uh... Yeah, you you think that you don't have to relearn another system. You have somebody that might more have more game feel. You have somebody that might be able to work and articulate things to Sam Howell better than other guys can. Uh, somebody that's already familiar with the offense um, mm-hmm. and all the players and the personnel in the offense. It does make a lot more sense than bringing in another coach to learn an entirely new system that you have a quarterback basically starting over again. Um, mm-hmm. So everything he learned in his rookie season, while there's some stuff that he can still build off of, all right, I got to learn new terminology. I got to unremember everything else that uh, Scott Turner's offense was included. And it feels like, okay, if you do that, is that necessarily a step forward for Sam Howell? Like we want to see him build off of what it is that he's done. If he's going to be the guy here, right. Right. Not have to start over and feel like a rookie all over again. And Zampese is literally the quarterback's coach. Right. So he would have spent a ton of time, you would assume, and it's a safe assumption with Sam Howell, a rookie. Like, you know, who else is he spending his time with? So reason think, for go ahead. I think the other thing that you were just what I was thinking about what it is you said as far as like the excitement piece. And while we we're both in agreement that uh, Ken would be Ken would be great. Ken would not be great. Ken feels like the right move. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I would agree. Even though, although it's not exciting. But then I look at like all the other times over the course of me watching this team that I was excited. It never pans out. So That's it's the like, thing. That's right. The it thing. never it never pans out. It ends up being the more unsexy things that happen that bring like well, no huge success, but more success than the opposite, right? When they sign a Pierre Garcon in the offseason, it's like all right. I mean, he was pretty. I, mean, good I was pretty excited about that. We one. were excited because we needed. We we were we were we, we were desperate to watch receivers, right? At that point, but, right? Um, 
he's that was the time that we kept drafting receivers like in the second round and never fucking panned out. And it was like, yeah. all right, so you're gonna go get Pierre Garcon, and it was kind of like, all right, he's a guy that may be ascending, and he hasn't been fantastic, right? Um, mm-hmm. The Lavernius Coles for Santana Moss thing. It was like, all right, well, well what? Santana is more of a punt return guy. Really love that. London Fletcher and uh, linebacker, kind of a guy that's been overlooked. He's always and now what we want him basically in the He's one of the best linebackers we ever had in Washington, right? Right. So it's like, yeah. Sometimes it is that just boring, unsexy move that ends up being the right thing for you. But let's go ahead and now talk about. So I think we've exhausted just the general high level view of Anthony Lynn. Um, but let's talk about Eric Bieniemy for a moment because it does sound like we are waiting to interview him. Uh, he does not, based on reports, have play calling duties in Kansas City. It does seem to be Andy Reid, which would make a lot of sense. Um, this would give him the opportunity to do so, and he has been around an incredibly successful coaching staff and organization. He, he's part of said coaching staff, so he's in those meetings. He's around Mahomes. He's around all this talent on offense he's around Andy Reid and he himself has been paying his dues and then some what would your thoughts be on bringing a guy like him in who has been touted for even head coaching positions as our offensive coordinator it's interesting Mm. it's interesting but I I am someone who's not sure what Eric Biennemi brings to the table if I'm being completely honest so you hear like you started this off. I think with a lot the, of teams uh, feel that way. Sorry to cut you off. Because no, it's, he's still the OC right. there, right? But, yeah. but that's the thing. It's that's the thing about it is that like you have Andy Reid come out in the press and say he doesn't understand why people don't think Eric Bieniemy has something to do with the play calling because he's right there with us doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have a report that comes out that says he's not really doing the play calling. It's Andy that's doing the play calling. Then you have even Ian Rappaport was on um, Pat McAfee. And he's like, they share play calling duties. So right. they're both. Uh, so no one really knows. <laughs> and nobody knows. And Pat McAfee was like, hold on, what? That's news to us. And Ian's like, oh, I thought that was kind of open secret. Like everybody kind of knew that. Like, no, no one knows what the fuck is going on over there. Um, you also have all the interviews that he had for head coach and get passed up, passed up, passed up, passed up, passed up. You you can even get the sense of, because there's also been word of friction between the enemy and Patrick Mahomes at times, right? Um, there, there is this element that I think of Andy Reid in Kansas City that have wanted him gone for quite some time. Interesting. And they've been ready to move on from him. Like the, 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 they've allowed him to go do whatever interview anywhere every year. Andy's been in the media uh, praising. But no one's him. gonna block an interview. Like the, it just doesn't happen. It does happen? You do not, have a, not nearly that no, often not, though. Like. Not usually from offense saying. coordinator, head right. coach, you like lateral move. But guess what? Oh, Eric I see what you're talking about okay. making a lateral move, and you still have Andy Reid and the rest of the guys like do it. You right, fuck I away, see. Right? I now understand. You fucking go right. Okay. So it's like they've been, been the thing. Like they've been more than any other head coach. I've seen Andy Reid praising Bieniemy. It seems like to try to get it out there that he deserves a head coaching job. Now I don't know. I just don't know. I know that he keeps going for the head coach positions and they hire somebody else. And it's weird considering how successful Kansas city is. It's mm-hmm. weird considering that you had guys like even a Doug Peterson that were there and go off to do other things. And all these guys that have been through the Andy Reid coaching tree usually gets a shot somewhere and it works out. And it's usually fairly successful. Why not him? Why not the guy that's been sort of the face of the offense at the offense coordinator since 2018, and even before that, running backs coach for how many years in Kansas City, right? So, like, what's wrong? I, I hear rumors always that he's terrible in interviews, that he's terrible with um, letting people believe that he has an overall plan for the direction of a franchise. Mm-hmm. I, I hear that. I don't know what to buy because I also do think that there's an issue in a lot of front offices when it comes to hiring black coaches. But yes. I've seen teams interview Eric Bieniemy and hire another black guy. And a guy that doesn't necessarily have the resume. Amico Rides just got hired, and apparently he was the front runner in Denver as well. So, like, you know. So there, there's elements where you see, him. like, all right, you got front offices that are not opposed to hiring black coaches, but they don't want this one. And yes. it, that's weird to me. But what makes it interesting for me is this particular situation in Washington seems screams opportunity for Biennium. Because, like, to me, if you have people that are unsure about what it is that he brings to the table, you could come to Washington, who's had a fairly inept offense for a while. If you yeah. do something with that, 
you could be in a situation where if you guys are losing games, or things don't look right, you have new ownership that says, hey, maybe we want to get rid of Ron, and I've got an interim head coach right here that I want to see what he looks like. Yeah. Um, like, it feels as though there's an opportunity for advancement because he's not taking Andy's job. I was going to say, City. that's probably the only way he makes this type of move, oh, yeah. right? So Because we talk about the risk of it only one year. There is a reward element to it, too which is that if the offense is humming, for example, which, by the way, it probably would save Rivera's job because if you have a humming offense with the defense we have, you would think that's a very good team. But, but there, yeah, but that's the thing. Ultimately, ownership is going to want to make their own stamp. That could be, hey, we actually really like what the OC brings. Make him head coach. That's, a, that's an interesting point there. Um, any other final thoughts on Biennemi on just the entire OC search in general, including... I am just... Uh, the OC, sir, it, look, it's as much as I want to be cynical about it, it is nice to see them interviewing everybody. Mm-hmm. I am hopeful that it's being taken. It's better than interviewing no one. <laughs> very much so, right? Um, and it seems as though, other than Caldwell, there haven't been people saying, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to have the interview, which does feel like a little change from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I remember during the Jim Zorn thing when they wanted Steve Spagnuolo, Steve Spagnuolo said, I'm not, I'm not even making the trip, guys. Um, yeah. I also, sorry, I just wanted to say that I think as more OC jobs, because there are a lot available, as soon as more of them get taken, this becomes more appealing over time. Uh, because it's certainly not the worst OC, like in terms of talent oh, no, on the a, offense, right? It's, it's, it's a good job. Um, so I expect that as some of those more exciting ones go, then I think all of a sudden Washington becomes more and more appealing over time. In case he were to be an external one, I still think, once again, for the thousandth time, Zampese is going to be the guy. I, I I do think if I had to put money down, I'd put it on Zampese, but I honestly, I'm not sure. And some of the stuff intrigued me enough where I don't know whether or not even the right choice or the wrong choice, enough of my curiosity is getting the best of me and I want to see certain things happen. Man. Oh, we've seen curiosity get the best of you. Shout out Carson Wentz. Uh, let's go ahead and chat about... <laughs> You walked into it, but uh, let's go ahead and talk about me going 0-2, being completely wrong on every stupid pick of championship weekend. Once again, I picked San Francisco to beat Philadelphia. Wasn't even close, but I got a problem with that one. So we're going to talk about that. (laughs) And then Kansas City, Cincinnati. I'm going to go ahead and be a full-on bias fan here. That was bullshit too. So we're going to go ahead and we are going to talk about San Francisco losing to Philadelphia first. We will then get to Cincinnati, Kansas City. I wasn't actually bullshit, Kate. I'm just frustrated and upset okay. <laughs> at the way it went down. The three third and nines were, we'll get there. We'll get there. But San Francisco, I mean, hats off to the team. I'm talking like every position because they were stacked across the board. But when you lose QB three, Brock Purdy, QB four, Josh Johnson put QB three back in with nerve damage this time, Brock Purdy, and then have McCaffrey throw a deep ball because that might be your best play. There's only so much you can do. K dot. 31, seven, 31, seven. We both picked them. Yeah. I'd like to think we're smart. I'm not sure we are. It was so frustrating. So frustrating watching that game. It was just a slow, painful death for the 49ers. No, the game ended when Brock Purdy got hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> but the fact that it painful, was seven like, seven nah. for as long as it was. Yeah, but we we all knew there was no chance. I like, know the, the moment that oh. it happened, there was no chance. Like um, like look, there was a glimmer of oh, Josh Johnson, what does he have? Oh no, this is not gonna happen. Like it was, it happened immediately. I didn't see a slow death. I saw a team realize their situation and unravel immediately. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like, Oh my gosh. The, 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 there are takeaways from this game, but the, like I, I say it every day. I say it all day, every day. I still think San Francisco is better than Philadelphia. I it's still true. Kate walks around his apartment and does say this. Honestly. I will like, and I know that I'm biased, but I will always, but I do think this season, San Francisco was better than Philadelphia. And I do think that if they had a quarterback that could throw the fucking football, they could win that game. As you said, it was 7-7 really, really early on in the game. If you look at the Devontae Smith catch, if that doesn't get ruled the way that it does, or non-catch, that doesn't get ruled the way it does, that game's completely different. That's on Kyle. That's on Shanahan for no, not challenging. Totally, totally yep. on, 
So the, the, I don't know if you want me to get to this already, but the main Go person ahead. that I have criticism for with this is Kyle Shanahan. Now, mm-hmm. I've been lauding plays as Kyle Shanahan all fucking season long. I've been talking about how great he's been doing, and yes. it's true. You you go from Trey Lance, you, you spend an entire offseason revamping the offense to work under Trey Lance, a mobile quarterback, somebody can push the ball down the field, and you have him in, and he lasts a game? <laughs> how yeah. long it was? Um, and then you got to bring Jimmy G in. And that you just took all this time in the offseason installing a new offense, basically, because you wanted to have what Trey Lance was doing. You don't – the only element that you uh, change is the running aspect of it. You still tell Jimmy G, hey, we're not going back to the way you used to do things. We're going to still push the ball down the field. You have success with it. Then you get Mr. – then Jimmy G goes down. You got Brock Purdy that comes in. He can move around a little bit more. You keep – you go – you double down. We're doing more of the shit that I wanted to do from the last offseason, and it works. You pull off the, you pull off uh, acquiring Christian McCaffrey, amazing fucking work, and they go and they're, they're they're blowing right through at a level at which nobody could have ever expected that you had Mister Relevant show up his rookie season and be fucking undefeated. It was ridiculous. It's a hell of a coaching job. But it then is. I look at this and say, you go into your your you enter the playoffs. You've already seen for yourself what ha- what can happen to the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. People get hurt. Yes. Do you have Josh Johnson in there? I don't know what they saw mm-hmm. in because I saw a 36 year old quarterback that didn't know what he was doing. He looked lost. Lost as hell. Yeah. Like my thing is that if you if you make a call phone call to Ryan Fitzpatrick and say, "Hey, guy, I know you've been chilling in the off season." But um, we're about to go on a Super Bowl run. Do you want to be the emergency quarterback? Yeah. Okay. Like, the, like I look at that and I say, like, that's on Kyle. Now, is the mm-hmm. likelihood that you're down to you're you've gone through fucking five quarterbacks basically crazy? Yeah. But you have to. But if you do not plan, if you don't have a plan in place for what happened, you're the guy. I got I got to hold you responsible. Then also, I look at the course of that game and see how undisciplined. Mm-hmm. And crazy things got when these guys knew, hey, we're not doing what we need. We're not getting anything out of the court. We can't score. Um, and they start losing their cool and losing their shit. Dumb penalties, things like that. Who do I look to for that? Kyle Shanahan. You're the head coach. Get you guys in the fucking line. Because you can even see Kyle on the sideline look completely dejected out of it, right? right? Then number three, this is an opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You start trotting out anybody that can throw a goddamn ball and attempt it. You had McCaffrey threw it, what, twice, I think, in the entire game? Yeah, once, once. once. Um, and they were just like, you know what, that's enough. Uh, I wanted to just hit on that point for a moment because I remember and I was just I was searching here because I was like, gosh, where can I find that ranking? Because I saw it on Twitter. Uh, you know, they had a guy on the team that played co- at high school. Yeah, whatever. played in yeah. high school. He was ranked higher than Sam Darnold. <laughs> higher than Joe Burrow, higher than Lamar Jackson. Now you can question the rankings, but just like, it's funny to like, what a fun fact to know that you have a guy like that on your squad and to at least ask him, Hey, if we gave you these two to three plays, I know this is probably completely unrealistic. I I recognize that it's an NFL game. All of a sudden he needs to know all this stuff, but if it's literally like make one read and if it's not there run, um, Jawan Jennings (laughs) was the fifth ranked dual QB in his class. Other names there, by the way, Jared Stidham was number one. So once again, we are talking about like Kyler Murray was number two. Like, I don't know how these rankings are done. Darnold was six, Burrow seven, Lamar Jackson nine. Okay, so I can't begin to explain how these high school rankers or whatever um, come to these come to these rankings. But if you have a guy like that, I would have liked to have seen him throw it once. I just don't understand how you don't at least try. So, right. like, I, I look at, like, the body bag game for us as Washington fans, 1990 against Philadelphia and the Buddy Ryan's uh, defense. We lost Jeff Rutledge. We lost Stan Humphreys. And everybody remembers Ryan Mitchell had to get trot out there to, to, to be quarterback. <laughs> he still at least attempted six passes. And that was not for a fucking Super Bowl. Like, I don't understand how they waved the white flag. It yeah. basically said, defense, you're going to have to help us. And the defense is looking like, y'all motherfuckers keep giving them a short field. 
<laughs> like, like, right. There's, oh, there's so much God. we can do. Like, you look at the stats for the Eagles. You look at the stats compared to the score, they don't fucking make sense. You know why? They barely had to move down the field. Barely. Barely. And once again, these are the stats for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts, 15 to 25, 121 yards. No touchdowns, no picks there. He did run for one, 39 yards rushing and 11 carries. Um, their highest rusher, Kenneth Gainwell, 14 carries, 48 yards. So the yardage was, they had 270 yards total. Okay. In a, in a championship game and they won by 24. They dropped 31 fucking points. So they dropped 31 points in that game. Their yards per play were 3.8. The 49ers with basically no QB. 3.6. I mean, like this, it speaks to your point that the 49ers team incredible overall, yeah. but that speaks to how important the quarterback position is and Huge what luck. can happen when just absolute like that was Murphy's law. Whatever could go wrong, did go wrong. Even Bosa is like hobbling to the sideline. It's like, how is this possible? Like it, that is incredibly difficult for 49ers fans to swallow. I do feel for them. That was, that was a tough game. I want to say this about the Eagles, though, because oh. we're not going to pre- we're not going to preview the Super Bowl or anything yet. Not yet. We'll do that next week. Two things can be true. The Eagles have had the easiest road to a Super Bowl in the playoffs that I have ever seen of any team ever. Same here. And it can also be true that they're a damn good football team. Also true. Yeah. So the thing is that you 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 can only play who who shows up who who you have to play. You know, he chooses both of them. right? Yeah. And they smoked the Avalanche shit out of both of those teams, which makes yeah. you think, okay, huh. Now, if I do want to go back and look through their calendar, it starts getting interesting to see who it is they played and where the losses and the wins came in. The only thing I say, and before we get to Kansas City, is Kansas City's at least battle-tested. Philadelphia right now, while they have done what they need, they need to do. They've gotten the job done the way you're supposed to. They mm-hmm. can't ha- – and look, other thing. Brock Purdy didn't just fall down and hurt himself. He got hurt by an eagle. <laughs> okay? That is something that they did. Okay? So you give them credit where credit is due. And still at the end of the day, you can look at that team and say, hmm, if they win this thing, and they're, what, uh, they, they what, finish at 14-3, mm-hmm. it's a damn good team. But do I put them up with some of the other? I don't know. I don't know. The thing it was with the Eagles is, as much as I've seen them, I've seen the Commanders beat their asses, mm-hmm. and I've all, which just doesn't happen. We're the <laughs> only team to beat the Jalen Hurts led. We beat their ass. Eagles this. Yep. Yeah. So I, I look at that and I'm saying I'm going into a Super Bowl with a Philadelphia Eagles team that I know is good, but I don't know how good. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and how will they do against Chad Henney? You know, that's a question you got to ask, right? Because odds are. Given how things are going, Mahomes is going to get hurt on the first play. And all of a sudden, it's going to be the Chad Henney show. Don't you put that juju out there in this world right now. Uh, oh, me. Me. I'm literally watching yeah. it happen. Don't you put Kate, that juju out there in the world. I'm literally watching it happen. Yeah. When it happens, I'm going to text you. I'm going to be like, see? What I say? Can't wait for Henny to beat I him. I can't have Philadelphia win a goddamn show. Uh, well, that's the thing. <sighs> Cannot. Cannot. And they would have beaten Brady and Mahomes. Well, maybe Henny. I, I can't I can't have that. Uh, let's talk about the other game because I'm tired of talking about the Eagles. Um, congrats to them. Fuck them. The Kansas City Chiefs uh, ended up winning an incredibly close game, an incredibly fun game. I mean, especially after the first and the NFC championship game. Not exciting. Right. The moment Purdy goes down, everyone sort of knows it's over. Uh-huh. This was close all the way through. Um, the referees ended up being a very heavy topic of conversation. I know initially I said it was bullshit. Truly, it wasn't. I mean, the game was tied. Joe Burrow had the ball with two timeouts, two and a half minutes left, and he didn't get it done. My entire argument was he'd get it done, and he didn't. That's the reality. So when people look at Joseph Osai, who I really feel for, I mean, the game moves so fucking fast, and he's been making plays the whole game. And that one push, yeah, it cost 15 yards. Yes, they made the field goal off of it. That is not the reason they lost. I mean, this offense should have torched the Chiefs defense and it didn't. That's what it came down to for me. Uh, but Kansas City going to the Super Bowl. It was a it was a pretty fun game overall, K Doc. Go ahead. You have so many facial expressions whenever I speak. That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. All right. We'll start in order. 
first off, if you complain about the ref, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's, it's just three thirty nines, Kadon. Yeah, they didn't mean anything because they punted the ball anyway. Like, and here's but the other got part. a first down off. Of but it. here's the here's the other part. If I'll they stop. got if they had gotten a first down, guess they what? Did. Especially that. Hold on. The, the whoa, whoa. You talk about the, the defensive when they holding. The yeah, no, so they stopped the, the play, and they, then they end up getting the holding call. Yep. After the sack uh-huh. on the third third and nine, and then yeah, they get a fresh set of downs. No, that, oh, what are you, that's not how that went down. They, that's they, how that the, went down. The, the 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 last the the second to last third nine where you had they they stopped the play. Oh right right right. Because that was of the, the fucking false you're right, right. You're right. They 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 called the uh there there was the uh what was it the, the clock issue. The clock issue right. There was a clock yes. issue and everybody was kind of like oh, yeah, that that was fine like it it was weird but it was fine because was at weird. the end of the day if they had gotten a first down on that play guess what the refs say hey guys didn't count you know why we tried to stop the play before it started. Us, uh, us Cincinnati betters don't believe that. It's bullshit. It's it's complete bullshit. Then you also have the fact that, like, if you talk to any Chiefs fan that were in Arrowhead, they said it was the loudest they have ever experienced Arrowhead ever being, and it never let up. And I think I also remember talking about here on this uh, on this pod how what they do with Joe Burrow is giving basically three plays to make the decision at the line of scrimmage. Guess mm-hmm. what you can't do if it's too fucking loud. Make audibles correctly, right? You can't make adjustments the right way. And when you have a referee who's trying to run in and even blow whistles that they can't fucking hear because the crowd's so goddamn loud, it happens. Shit happens. And they rectified it. They explained the entire situation. It was what it was. Osai, I feel terrible for it. I do. Um, Once again, two years old, man. Two things can be two things can all can be true. Osai, hustle play. It's rough. That sucks. I feel for you emotional. Number two, you can't fucking let that happen, bro. Not in that situation. Yeah. You got to be aware of what is going on. It, it's inexcusable. You can't do that. That is true. That is true. The last thing. Well, not last thing, but um, I'm going to save the last I'm thing. I'm just I will salty. Say this. Yeah, I'm I just salty. I will also say, Bengals fans, thank you. Thank you for showing me that you guys are the most insufferable bunch of motherfuckers I have ever experience we were all after the demar hamlin thing we're all rooting for you oh man they handled it with such class in that stadium they did such a great job the amount of fucking shit talking by the mayor and everybody else oh it's burrowhead it's burrowhead stadium y'all and then the moment that the game is over the refs fucked us the refs, like come on man y'all can't talk that shit and then afterwards be bitching and complaining Y'all, y'all starting to like, like, uh, like, like bitch ass Eagles fans, not regular Eagles fan, but bitch ass Eagles fans. All right. Like y'all <laughs> need to chill the fuck out. Like it was one thing that I realized, like as much as I love Joe Burrow, as much yeah. as he's cool, the fan base ain't cool yet. They're not, they're not on his level yet. And speaking to Joe Burrow, 26 of 41, 270 yards, a touchdown and two picks. That's not good. Which goes to the last thing. Well, you also uh, sidebar. You mentioned that um, they were supposed to light up the. Cincinnati. They were supposed to light up. Yeah, the until Chiefs. you know that there's a Chris Jones and they actually have a legit pass rush. What did I say though? If this were to go Kansas City's way, Chris Jones needs to have a great game. He had that sack that yeah, basically. But we also remember the, the, the fucking week before. It's the same thing I said when we were doing the preview. Is the Bills were been playing poorly for Very a while. Poorly. Very, very the, we went to the Bills game expecting what we all knew. The Bengals are banged up on the offensive line. They need to exploit it. The Bills didn't because they've been playing bad. Guess what Kansas City, who's been there before, realizes? We're taking advantage of the fact you got uh, scrubs playing on the fucking offensive line. So what we're going to do? We're going to eat today. And that's what they did. And Arrowhead being as loud as it was, didn't allow Joe Burrow to do the things that he needed to do, the changing things at the line of scrimmage and making those reads. He couldn't do it. Kansas right. City, home field advantage, fucking awesome. And the last part, Patrick Mahomes. I've been saying it from the fucking – before the season. Everybody thought when Tyreek Hill went away, it was going to be an issue. And I've been number one in saying Tyreek Hill has been a crutch and a handicap for Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has been lazy in making his reads. He's been lazy in going through progressions because he knew, fuck it, I'll chuck it down to Tyreek Hill and I'll be okay. He has had his best fucking season as a pro this year, as a passer this year. He's been lighting it on, and he's reminding all you sons of bitches, 
I am Patrick Mahomes. I am not in the conversation with Joe Burrow. I'm not in the conversation with Josh Allen. Treat me like motherfucking royalty. I haven't even seen his ceiling yet. Y'all need to put some respect on the man's name. He's the best I've ever seen do it. He doesn't have the accolades of Brady, but he's the best I've ever seen do it, and we haven't scratched what he's capable of. Realize what your eyes, what you're seeing. (laughs) Hey, you're not going to get any arguments over here. What he did, and with an ankle sprain, no less, and needing to make plays with his legs at times, incredible. I I mean, talk about a gutsy, gutsy performance. He just makes the extraordinary seem ordinary. That's what he's done. It's normalized. That's that's the part. You know how, like, over the last, like, 12 years, Aaron Mm -hmm. Rodgers would have those moments near the end of the games where he'd do stuff. He'd be like, God damn, bro. Um, yes. But he'd do it like a few times again. Mahomes does things that Aaron did all the time. And he makes it on a level at which it's like, that's just Mahomes just throwing a ball. Yeah. Like you don't he's realize phenomenal. what he's changing, what you're viewing. You don't realize they're like, yo, hold on, run that back. Who can do that? No one. <laughs> And he was, I mean, he was missing receivers as well. I mean, I'm talking not missing with his throws, like legitimately they weren't playing. Right. Like, so you, you put all that together. MVS decides to have 116 yards and a touchdown. Why? Because he has a quarterback that can make that possible as well. Um, And shout out to that boy, Pacheco. He is tough to bring down. He is everything you want in a running back. I mean, you see 10 carries, 26 yards, but then you see five catches, 59 yards, including two, three broken tackles when he was dead to rights. Love Pacheco. I mean, he is, he's a dog and he definitely helps them and adds personality to that offense. Yeah. I wish they, they didn't just rely on his anger runs and actually developed a running game, which also Eric B running game. Point. We're talking about Washington. the Chiefs. Talking about the Chiefs. That is a good point. That would actually, I guess in this scenario, maybe ding him a little bit. Um, any final thoughts on the Chiefs Bengals game? Um, you took your victory lap on Mahomes. Respect on Mahomes' name. He's next level. There He's is him, and there's a chasm between him and the other guys. Don't get it twisted. Do not get it twisted. I will give you guys permission to get it twisted if you like. <laughs> um, you know, Don't be wrong. <laughs> Don't be wrong. Let's let's go ahead and get to the comment, Bill. No, he's twenty seventh in the five straight AFC. It's unbelievable. Are you fucking? I mean, there's me? a reason it's called the Arrowhead <laughs> Invitational. Are you it is kidding insane. me? It he's twenty seven. He's, yeah, he's twenty seven. He, how how long do you think he goes? I don't know. It, it's the, because of his. I mean, that's the thing. He he doesn't run, run, right? Like he doesn't, and he doesn't absorb hit. He doesn't get hit like a Josh Allen gets hit or sure. anybody else gets hit. I don't know. To me, I look at him and I say that I don't think he's as crazy as Brady, so he'll never try to go that far, even if he could. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, that's, I have no idea. that's the thing, because like Brady retiring, like I still don't 100 percent believe. I, I believe that he I will not be on a roster come week one of the season. That's what I, I believe. Don't know about that yet. All right, uh, but like the whole the graphic of like the three different decades having hall of fame resumes for each one in his twenties and his thirties and his forties. It, it it really is overwhelming. Just how good that guy was. It, it was absolutely incredible. Said, it's the, the only Jersey I have. It's not a commander's Jersey is my Tom Brady. There you and go. you know, what's about to get added to the list. Bash and I should have already had yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's coming. It's coming. I, I'm looking forward to seeing you wear that before the Super Bowl. Uh, let's go over to the comment mailbag where we have three comments. Uh, and it comes from South Korea. It's going to be a knockoff. So this is turning into DJ's corner um, where DJ has commented a few times and he's commented one more time. Shout out DJ. Appreciate it. DJ. Hey, I got one right in reference to the Eagles smoking the New York Giants. Here's two more. I'll probably get wrong. Spoiler alert. He didn't. Eagles by 10. I guess he got it wrong because the Eagles won by 24 commanders provided the blueprint to beat the Eagles in Philly, run the ball, get a couple turnovers, win time of possession, turn the crowd on the team. But there are more scenarios where the Eagles win than lose 49ers corners are their weak spot and the Eagles wide receivers will be able to score some. The 49ers were fortunate to score 19 points against the Cowboys at home. Dak and Diggs literally dropped the ball and they won't survive another offensive dud like that on the road. They only got seven points granted Purdy gets hurt, but nonetheless, Seven points. 
Uh, Chiefs by four. Toss-up between two evenly matched teams, but home field advantage makes a difference. I would say he more or less nailed that one, right? A home field advantage did make the difference. You talked about Burrow not being able to audible the way he normally is able to. And Arrowhead's loud. You're on the road. Mistakes can be made. Osai pushes him out of bounds. I'd call that a home field thing. So appreciate the comment there, DJ. Looking forward to your Super Bowl pick uh, because it's going to be right. Uh, Then we got Ref the District. Nice job, fellas. Shout out Ref the District. Appreciate you guys for watching last week's episode and just uh, showing showing us some love. We show you guys the same love also. Appreciate it. Um, and then we go, Vindo, love the vids. Am I on the road to an OG yet? I think he heard us call uh, Blood Clot an OG, which is true. And yes, you are on your way, my friend. Um, I love Mayer from Notre Dame, by the way, but I think they will draft him only if we get a good offensive coordinator that understands how to get him the ball quick so he can make a move or two. Appreciate the comment there, Vindo. Yeah, I mean, Mayer's name is coming up more and more. And if you see these mock drafts, he is mid-first round. And that's exactly where we're picking, pick 16 overall, KDOT. Um, it, it, like I said, I just think that for what it is we need, we need guys that can do a multitude of things. We need Swiss Army knives, guys. And the tight end position right now for where it is, where I don't think we'll be able to completely retool the offensive line. Mm-hmm. We also need, we wouldn't mind having a big body, um, somebody can catch the ball in the red zone, somebody can uh, be a matchup nightmare for linebackers, and right. also do enough to get a chip on a defensive end to give the quarterback more time. Just from a value proposition, it makes a lot of sense to me to to bolster the tight end position. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is certainly one of my areas of need as well. I'm still thinking about whether I want a first-round pick on a tight end, but we could get maybe an offensive lineman. You hear, oh, there's a bit of news that we didn't talk about. So Senior Bowl is happening right now. Uh, we got Marty Herney over there, and he is watching exclusively offensive linemen, according to J.P. Finley. Uh, shout out, J.P., for the reporting on that one. I would say I just – I want a sure thing because um, – Of course, how That's what the first round's fucking, about. But but the thing is that how many fucking tight ends do we have from all walks of life on this fucking team that last year didn't look fucking good? So, like, we won the Samish Reyes fucking thing to work out. Um, we are still a Samish Reyes podcast. Totally understood. But the amount of <laughs> bodies that they had at tight end that we thought was going to be a thing. Try to convert AGG. It, it developed. It just not. No, we need somebody who can come in in day one is a stud. As a matter of fact, if we don't draft one, I want to pick up fucking Mike Gusecki, even if it costs money. I just think tight end is a position of need for this team. Yeah. Um, hugely. And, and the more weapons, the better. I mean, everyone knows that. I mean, you'd need that. And especially to help Sam Howell out as well. Um, but that was a common mailbag. If this was District Divided, a DC Sports podcast, more specifically a Commander's podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like the video. Please share the video. Please subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. And as always, please comment because we love reading those. We love uh, even giving you your flowers like we have with DJ Turner over here, who is on a roll this postseason exactly. with his picks. Um, after the pod begins right now. I saw a bullet train. What did you think? I loved it. I loved it. That was that was really fun because it had terrific elements of comedy while also progressing a story and having some mystery around it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I had a lot of fun, mainly to do with the acting. It did feel like um, it wasn't a great movie. It still was in my top 10 because of how much fun I had. Yeah, very um, enjoyable. Yeah, it was just fun. And I, I yeah, it's. Aaron, what, Aaron Taylor Johnson and uh, Brian Tyree Henry, they just, I love the brother. Oh, Levin and Tangerine? They, the they were best. great. Um, the best. They made that movie. Yeah, it felt like a glossy Guy Ritchie meets, I don't know, John Wick creator sort of thing. Like, it didn't necessarily, it's, it didn't elevate anything necessarily. They didn't change, they didn't come with something so brand new that, and it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like the, the But it was a lot, I just had fun. It's a great get high and watch. Um, I did watch a movie last night that I've been meaning to watch as I'm still going through all of the Oscar nominees and everything. And my top 10 list changed um, as Whoa. of last night. Whoa. I can just tell you, uh, a movie that I watched and I've been looking forward to watching, Mate, cracked the top five for 2022. It cracked top the top five? Yep, it is at number five now. Uh, the Banshees of Inner Sharon. My sister, okay, that is another movie that my sister has recommended. And this is the one where the dude's being ignored and he doesn't really know why. Is that the one? Yep. 
Now, I saw the trailer for that one, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. What do you mean? I mean, it just seems like something me and my dad would do growing up. He'd just ignore me for no reason, or I'd ignore him for no reason. We'd just be like, why is this happening? I don't want to see that. I got real deep real quick. Maybe you don't want to watch <laughs> it. Um, this might hit too close we were, to home. We were both very stubborn with each other growing up at times. Um, the, I'm saying again, this might hit too close for home for you. Um, I know people that have watched this movie that have ended up crying and in tears and all kinds of shit. Um, it never got there with me. Um, I okay. laughed harder than I had at a lot of movies laughing at this movie. Um, it was hilarious to me. Okay. Uh, it is in every sense a tragic comedy, a tragic comedy. Okay. Um, in the most classical sense of the word, like it's just. It's great. It, it was really, it's, it's a, it's a good flick. It's a good flick. Did I have as, I, I laughed. I didn't necessarily have as much fun as, I don't think it's as good as some other movies. I think there's a mm-hmm. little bit of, but, it, but even, the way it works is an allegory for like, even the, 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 um, the, the Irish civil war. And I don't know. I, I'm going to watch it again. Cause there's, there's a lot going on, but like okay. isolation relationship between men, um, masculinity to a certain degree so uh, grief okay what's it called again banshees of the banshees of inner sharon inner sharon okay so that's at number five is it as smooth as we're bumping other things uh, something got out of the uh top so the northman is out yes northman's out hustle at 10 bullet train at nine and I, if, if i'm being honest I, I probably the northman should be 10 and hustle should be out being honest but I haven't, it's I haven't, too late. I already watched it. it. It's in your top 10. It's got to stay that's there right. now. Uh, Barbarian 7, The Menu 6. Yep. The Banshees Which of I, I've been getting criticized for the menu placement. I mean, like a lot too of low, people. I would say, right? Based on too what high. people are saying. I'm, too getting high. Lot, I'm getting a lot of people saying I'm too high on the menu. But I, I had a blast with the menu. If you had a blast with the menu, it's your list. You no, I know, you I know, I know. I'm just getting criticized for it. Because like, the thing is that I... I do not believe that best and favorite are anywhere near the same thing. Of and, course. Um, so, like, I this is my personal top ten of my favorite movies that I've seen in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I do care about something being great. The quality okay. of something can elevate how good it is to me. If you during if you're doing certain things, I like seeing something new. It's not the forefront of me. I, I'm not one of those people that say that you have to do something new that I've never seen before. No, yeah. you could do things you could do them better than other people have done. Um, build on it, right? Um, mm-hmm. But if there's an element of that. Do you get credit for giving me something I haven't seen before? How'd you execute that? Um, okay. Did you, did, if it's not something original, did you really build upon it? Um, then outside of those things, just how great is your film? How did that make me feel emotionally? I want to feel things. I want to feel things emotionally when watching a movie. If if you can't make me feel anything, I'm not gonna like your flick. Like it's just not that work for me. And excitement can be something, but I don't find excitement to be as much to be as uh, great as joy. To, okay. to to feel the cathartic, I can't help myself but laugh at this thing. Do you good. do you have a movie in 2022 that you saw that other people rate really highly, and you went, sorry, I do not know how people had this opinion on it not yet because there okay. is one that is coming and i have to mm, watch before okay. the oscars i've been pushing it off out of fear that that might be the situation because no, i know what i'm gonna feel about it like i'm gonna i'm gonna go i like every movie once it start once it hits play you got a clean slate with me okay um but i so like all my biases or anything before the movie i'm watching strictly for what it is you sometimes i've been right sometimes i've been wrong by sure. the way i feel about it um, I don't want to watch Elvis. Mm, okay. Um, I know I, I got a damn good feeling I'm not going to like Elvis. Okay. Uh, but I know I have to watch it. And I think I'm going to watch it and I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to feel how I feel about it. But um, I, that is one movie that I can promise you I am not looking forward to watching because everybody else, and especially as we're leading up to the Oscars, is getting this buzz around it. Mm-hmm. Um, that terrifies me. Yeah. Um, because I don't want it to win. If okay. it is gonna win anything, I give it. I haven't seen the performance yet, but I hear enough about <laughs> Austin you, Butler. Do you have an Oscar throwaway award where you're just like, okay, this is the award you give a flick if you just were 
Like, hey, thanks for, okay. I can have, I'd rather you not get this, so give them this, and I can weigh it. It's not okay. a throwaway. Okay, so maybe my it. question was incorrectly worded. Okay, got it. So like, so like, you look at the nominees for like best actor this year, um, and I look at that and I'm like, okay, because of who got nominated for best actor, I wouldn't. While I wouldn't love it, I can be okay with Austin Butler, even though I haven't seen it yet, winning best actor for the movie Elvis. Okay. And please don't oh, give him I see. best actor. So like, and please don't give him best film, best picture. So like I, I look at that and I'm like, well, I'm rooting for Brendan Fraser. I haven't seen The Well yet. I have not heard any good things from anybody in my circle about The Well, so it's not been a priority. Okay. Um, Colin Farrell, I'm really rooting for, for The Banshee of Anna Sharon. I've been a huge Colin Farrell fan for quite some time. And actually, I think he's done an amazing job in 2022. Has he like, won it before? No. Okay. Um, but Austin Butler, I like him. I like Austin Butler. I think he's I think he's actually pretty dope. I love the SNL that he did. Like I, I think he's cool as shit. Even though I guess the Elvis voice that he's doing is now permanent. It's broken him. Um I wouldn't mind if they give him best actor, well, I need to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. I think even if I'm like lukewarm on it, I'll be like, fine, whatever. Just don't give them fucking best picture. Yeah. Okay. And I like best actress, I think is um it, it is only one to me that wins best actress this year. Even though there's a second that I'm really, really rooting this for. This is what one. Kate Blanchett and Tar, Tar. is that right? That's, okay, that's that's done. Even though I am rooting, I if Michelle Yeoh won, I would I'm gonna jump off the couch and scream and yell and be no that and that's from Everything Everywhere All at Once, right? Yes, and it would be okay. dope to see her win one with the career that she's had. But I do believe through and through, Kate Blanchett's performance in Tar was the best one this year that I've seen. Fascinating movie culture to me is incredibly fascinating. It's so. I think it's because, like, I don't know. In sports, it's easy. There's a score. You can sort of tell who's doing well in clutch moments, stuff like that. But I'm always so bad. Like, my family and I, we'll get together and we'll watch the Oscars and we'll make our picks and stuff like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, some people, you know, my sister will look at prior award winners, which is why she typically wins, um, and we'll just pick based off of that. And I will have generally... I also haven't seen the movies, but I genuinely have no sense as to what is considered a good performance. For example, I thought Adam Sandler should have been nominated for Best Actor for Uncut Gems because of how he made me feel in that movie. Yeah, 100%. Okay, maybe I do get it. But I was stunned to see that he wasn't nominated for that, for example. Oh, that was a I was snub. like, maybe I'm a simple... It was a snub. Yeah. I feel so validated right now. The fact that I had a take like that and you, being the movie critic that you are, and connoisseur, <laughs> if you will, agreed... My day's made K dot. I appreciate that. My weekend, no matter what, fantastic at this point. No, it was um yeah, no, he absolutely got snubbed. Um, he was phenomenal in Uncut Gems. He was he was absolutely great. I mean, that movie, um, I love that movie. That that is the last because I'm trying to huh. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty one, twenty twenty. I think he didn't get nominated because he's Adam Sandler. Oh yeah, that it hurts him. Which is like, that's bullshit, right? Because you talk about watching a movie with an open mind. You go in with a clean slate. If you're doing that, and I guess you're not, right? If you're a critic no, or whoever's making this way. nomination. It doesn't work that way. It really should though, right? You can't. Mm. So like the, the thing is that all these actors and the roles and everything they play, they have baggage. Okay. Yeah. Unless you're a newbie and you don't have any where you can have a clean slate. And if you have that rock star performance, you can potentially get in. That's usually more supporting role. It's okay. like, holy shit, who is this guy? And it's like it, it pulls you in. Um, no, there you do have there's the thing with the Oscars that, that makes it so interesting to me is that there's like um there's a lot of politics in it. Yeah, there's a lot absolutely. of um from what I can tell. No, there's a lot of uh selling. So like when you hear that like in ninety-eight, everyone knows Harvey Weinstein now. Yes. So in 98, Harvey is, um, what movie was it that he was, um, shit. I wish I could remember the movie. But regardless, uh, he was up for best picture. I think it was Shakespeare in Love. It might have been Shakespeare in Love. Okay. He's up for, against uh, Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Spielberg said, you've seen Saving, have you seen Saving Private Ryan? Of course I haven't. You know this. You know this. I've only seen movies right. starting in 2023. Okay. Right, right, right. Na- name a classic. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen so the Titanic. Saving I haven't seen Secret Private Ryan. Go ahead. So, <laughs> so Harvey Weinstein 
is out in Hollywood at all the parties and everything and where you know Academy members are going to be mm-hmm. screaming about how inaccurate Spielberg was in Saving Private Ryan. About how he should be arrested for having a screening with veterans because it gave them it because it uh, triggered their PTSD. How this is unbelievable. How he got this thing wrong and that uh-huh. thing wrong, and he's fighting. And guess what? Worked out for him. So like, there's certain things that you you figure out when you read. You heard people talk about reading the trades. So like Variety, the Hollywood Reporter. Oh, okay, like yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I read. I consume that. So like, I want to know. What's happening? What agencies are doing stuff? What are people doing behind the scenes as far as selling? What's the buzz happening when it comes to some of these movies? See, if I had no context to this conversation, I think we were talking about like the stock market or something like that. There's a, there's some of that. Yeah, <laughs> there's some, there's there's definitely some of that. Um, it's but I, I it's like sport. This is the thing that I love about the Oscars as much as I have a lot of criticism for them. Um, especially their, their their inclusion or lack of inclusion on certain things. They've been mm-hmm. absolutely wrong about things in the past. Um, even up to last year with the Chris Rock slap thing, I got a lot of problem issues where the way they dealt with Will Smith after that. Um, I have issues as far as looking at their track record on Roman Polanski. Um, there's there's a lot of issues there. Nominating the La La Land for literally anything when Bollywood is an entire industry in and of itself. I, uh, God, I, whew. I don't know if I triggered something in there. Yeah, you absolutely triggered something. <laughs> I am not. Yeah. Uh... Something you want to talk about, bud? No, nah, I'm good. Okay. Um... <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, 2019 <laughs> was the best la- last great movie year. Last great movie year. But um, yeah, while the Oscars have been wrong about a lot of things, to me, the Oscars are converted to things that I love. There's competition, so it feels like sport. Mm-hmm. Um. But then it's not kind of like sport. It's more about voting. And it's so it almost feels uh, political. I'm from Washington, D.C., born and raised. I love politics. I love the game of politics. Right. Um, and then outside born of that, D.C., I, exact opposite on everything else. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, you, don't, you don't love politics. You don't love the game. The game intrigues me. The, yeah. The more I think about it, the game is intriguing because it is ultimately a puzzle. I love shit like that. So like, but politics bro- itself is just so gross. Yeah, but the, the, you see what I'm saying? It's a gross game. Fucked. I like the game. I don't like how gross it the is. The system's fucked. But the the, okay. but the fair like, enough. I, agree. I remember going to the bars, going to Elephant and Castle, going to Hawk mm-hmm. and Dove. Yep. Talking to the congressional pages, seeing how things change from administration to administration, depending on who was on Capitol Hill, um, and who was the president, and talking to these guys. I remember reading Rahm Emanuel's emails that he was sending out to the staff members at Hawk and Dove. And looking at how passive aggressive and then overly aggressive, which hilarious. And then kind of jockeying for you're talking to people that are on the opposite side of you politically, but you guys can talk about how it is strategically. You need to win this thing. How you're going to do this and do that. And it was almost it's fucked up because people lives, but it, it, it is to a certain degree a game. So I love that part of it when it comes to the Academy, but then more important than anything of the art mm-hmm. and Academy award is not, it is not a grand indignation that you have the best film. There are a ton of films that were better than Academy Award winning films. Absolutely. I look at Uncut Gems from 2019 as one of those things where I'm like, oh, you were better than some of the movies that got nominated. Yeah. Even I still, once upon a time, Hollywood still means best movie that year. But Parasite winning, when Parasite won, I was ecstatic because I loved that movie. I adored that movie. Um, I was, I was one, I, at the time I was dating a, um, I, w- I was dating a South Korean woman and we were so excited about Parasite and it was like, it was dope. And then outside of that, it wasn't my favorite movie that year. Mm-hmm. So like I was rooting for something else and could still be so ecstatic and seeing all the work mm-hmm. and everything they poured into it being rewarded that way. And what that mean from a dollars and cents standpoint, to be able to put on Academy award winning movie and that's on your fucking resume. Brings you cash, That's brings you the opportunity yeah, yeah. to to do more things. Sometimes you don't get it, you don't get the accolades. There's not people that want to give you the money to do other projects. So it's just there's so much in it that it's just like. When did the Oscars take place? Uh, was it March twelfth? Um, I think this year. I think maybe we should do an Oscars episode, just sort of as a one-off. I'd love that. I'd be I'd be fascinated, and then you can help me with my picks. And then oh, I can finally I put, win this family pool. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we need to have this conversation. So at the very least, listen, our sports picks don't go very well. Let's rely on this man 
for his oh, I, uh, my, Oscar I, picks. I will tell you right now, my Oscar picks depends on the year. Some years, okay, not, we're playing the game. Beat. We're playing the game. Yeah, some years I don't have a beat. I do not. And like some years, <laughs> you realize you're like, oh shit, I am not. I don't know what's happening. Okay, like you start seeing some of the first awards going off. You're like, all right, we are off the reservation. Everything I thought was gonna happen is not gonna happen. I'm here for the ride. Hey, fair enough. But that being said, looking forward to that episode. I'm also looking forward to our Super Bowl preview next week. I'm actually going to dive into normally it's a bit of a lazy analysis. I'm actually going to dive into some numbers pretty hardcore on this one and see what we can find, including Chad Henney's life story. I think I think we are actually. But um, but we'll see what ends up happening. Um, Once again, this is District Divided, guys. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. Enjoy your weekend. In D.C., we're just hoping that you listen. 